Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. Buddy Walls. Good to have you with us today. I'd like to share some facts about Jesus that much of the secular world does not know anything about. It is also some good reminders of us who do know. I will be sharing a lot of Bible scripture, and you do not have to look them up, but listen to the words because I will be explaining each part. If you're taking notes, I will give the chapter and verse each time. And all of this will be coming out from the Authorized King James Bible. We might make it a three-part series. There are many today in the secular world who don't know who Jesus Christ is. Many people believe that Jesus Christ was just a man or a prophet or a brilliant teacher. He was so much more than that. But they don't really know who Jesus Christ is, even many of the other religions. He was one of a kind, both in person and his mission. He was not just some spiritual person while he was here on this earth. He was both God's son and God himself in human flesh. Jesus had a friend named John. Before hearing Jesus' call to follow him, John has a successful career as a fisherman. John worked in the fishing industry at both the wholesale and retail levels. We know that he had contacts in Jerusalem, which most likely included a retail business selling the fish he had caught in Galilee. As a result, he existed in two worlds, the rural north and the urban city of Jerusalem in the south. As a result, he stood out among the majority of the other apostles who were all northerners, with Judas Iscariot being the only native southerner. He was Jesus' cousin and the brother of one of the other uh, disciples, James. This closeness was evident at the cross when Jesus asked John to look after his mother. John, however, was not just close to Jesus because he was a cousin. He was also a part of an inner circle along with James and Peter of those who were really close to Jesus. He referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, intending to deflect attention from himself, but not actually giving his name, but, but supplying us with the insight of all the twelve. John was nearest to Jesus. John was the disciple who sat next to Jesus at the Last Supper, as the two of them reclined to finish their meal. This occur occurred during the Passover feast. Jesus wanted his close buddy to be there with him and they experienced, as they experienced this life-changing moment together. Not only was John the disciple who was closest to Jesus, but he was also the last of the original apostles to live. He composed his gospel as an older man reflecting on the life of Jesus with his own particular wisdom. Jesus never wrote any particular books of the Bible. Jesus never wrote a book, not even the gospels. Aside from his life story, more than one-third of the pages in the gospels are devoted to Jesus' death. Many Old Testament prophecies are about Christ. As a matter of fact, over 300 predicted hundreds and thousands of years ahead of time. 
if only 12% had come true, the odds of that happening are beyond counting. Yet about 90% has already come true. Why won't the other 10% not come true? The authorized King James is the most accurate book on earth, yet many wish to avoid it. Why? Because many prefer darkness over light, and many believe lies before the truth. As I said before, the cross is an offense to many. And the book of Revelation is a book of revelation on Jesus Christ. It was, however, written by John of Patmos, also known as John the Revelator, John the Divine, and John the Theologian. However, this does not imply that he was unable to read or write. Jesus possessed the ability to read and write. The New Testament demonstrates these abilities. In a Nazarene synagogue, he opened the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and read from a portion of it. In the story of the woman caught in adultery, Jesus was seen writing on the ground. All we know for sure is that Jesus could have written letters or books if he so wished. Why he did not leave anything for us in writing, whether it be a systematic arraignment of his teachings or his inner thoughts, we simply don't know. His family members were among his twelve disciples. At least five and possibly seven of the twelve were relatives. However, his brothers remained skeptical until after the resurrection. When James and Jude not only called believers but were not only believers but penned two of the books of the New Testament. Jesus gets his name from an angel. I want to read you something out of Luke chapter one verse thirty one. Luke Chapter 1, verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Listen carefully. You will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Now, we don't know how many Magi visited Jesus. We're used to seeing three wise men at the Christmas nativity scenes. This is probably due to the fact they brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The scriptures make no mention of the number of Magi who traveled from the east to pay their respects to the newborn king. Jesus had several half-siblings. The gospel tells us he had brothers. I want to read you something out of Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Matthew even names his brothers and mentions his sisters. Isn't this the carpenter's sons? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Joseph? Aren't all his sisters with us? Acts chapter 4, verse 36. Acts chapter 4, verse 36. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus. You know, a question was asked, where did this man get all these things? 
Bethlehem means house of bread. Bethlehem is a town mentioned as being the place Jesus was born. It's two words in Hebrew, and the two words have a lot of meaning. Beth, B-E-T-H, and Laham, L-E-H-E-M, which mean home and bread. Not only did Micah foretell that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, but Jesus repeatedly referred to himself as the bread of life. Micah foretold that the Messiah would be born there. John chapter 6, verse 35. John chapter 6, verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Luke gives us our only view of Jesus in his adolescence. In the return caravan from Passover in Jerusalem, Joseph and Mary became separated from Jesus. When they both figure out Jesus is missing, they rush back to the ancient city in a panic. They uh, don't find him for three days. Luke chapter 2 verse 46. Luke chapter 2 verse 46. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. The thing they find out is incredible. Three days later they find him in the court of the temple, sitting among the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. All who heard him was amazed at his intelligence and his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were overwhelmed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you dealt us like this? Listen, your father and I have been sorrowing. And he answered, How did you look for me? Did you not know that I have been about my father's business? Luke chapter 2, verse 47. Luke chapter 2, verse 47. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Verse 48, And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto, unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have been sorrowing. Luke 2:49. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Jesus grew up as a carpenter. Joseph was known as a carpenter. Jesus must have learned this trade because he is identified by the crowd in his hometown as a carpenter too. Mark chapter 6 verse 3. Mark chapter 6 verse 3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon, are not all his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. And their disapproval of him blinded them to the fact that he was anointed by God as the Messiah. Matthew chapter 13 verse 54. Matthew thirteen fifty-four. And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence? Whence hath this man this wisdom uh, and these mighty works? He was also known as a carpenter in Matthew chapter 
13, verse 55. Matthew chapter 13, verse 55. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Judas and Simon and Judas? The word carpenter can also mean builder or laborer. So it stands to reason a carpenter was someone you call when you needed something to fix or built similar to a modern-day handyman. Jesus looked like a, in other words, he was like a very ordinary-looking Hebrew in his time, not the Hollywood appearance you see today. We don't have a lot of, of information on his physical appearance, but according to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2, Isaiah 53, verse 2, the Bible says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. When Judas betrayed Jesus, it is also well known that he had required to kiss Jesus in order to assist the authorities in identifying him. Matthew chapter 26, verse 48. Matthew chapter 26, verse 48. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he, hold him fast. In a point of truth, following his resurrection from the tomb, Mary Magdalene mistook him for the gardener. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. One thing is obvious. If it were essential for us to know what he really did look like, Matthew, Peter, and John, who spent three years with him, would certainly have been able to give us an accurate description of him, as would his own brothers James and Jude. Yet these New Testament authors offer no details about his physical appearance. Jesus' first miracle was in Cana. At the wedding feast of Cana, Jesus performed his first miracle by turning water into wine. In this fantastic event, he demonstrated his supernatural ability over physical forces. I have seen alcoholics try to justify their drinking by this event in the Bible. What they need to do is study the rest of Scripture. Now, I'll change the subject here for a moment. My wife and I were talking about this earlier. I remember in our lives when we were just teenagers, you never heard of gays or transgenders. Why? Because they kept quiet about it and they were ashamed. Now they promote it as an alternative lifestyle. God calls it an abomination. There were no computers. There were no cell phones. All the documents, including all your medical was kept in written folders. There were no electric vehicles. People respected one another. Today, that is gone. I seen a sign the other day, and it said, Now hiring people that are not stupid. They interviewed the manager, and he said they could not find anyone that would actually work. 
We live in the laziest society of all time. Material comfort had made them that way. A hard day's work would put them in a coma. When I was 15 years old, I was working in a sawmill all day long, stacking green tuba tins and wet, 20 feet long, making $35 a week. Nowadays, people want to graduate from a university and immediately get a job making 70000 a year with three months vacation. Many of those are living at home with mom because there is no dad and 40000 in debt for their school. In my time, you could not beg or borrow a job unless you traveled out of state. Then you worked for whatever you could get. Have times not changed? Back to the Lord. This miracle of turning water into wine started his public ministry. Jesus, his mother, and his disciples were invited to a wedding in Cana at Galilee. As the party went on, his mother informed him they had run out of wine. Because weddings frequently lasted several days, this was an embarrassing situation. Despite the fact that intoxication is forbidden in the Old Testament, it is commonly mentioned in terms of celebration, blessing, and joy. Mary was confident that Jesus could fix the problem. The servants were instructed by Jesus to fill six water, uh, six water jars, each holding about 20 or 30 gallons, then draw some of it out and give it to the head waiter. The head waiter had no idea where the wine came from, but he knew it was very good. Guests were typically served good wine first, followed by a wine of lesser grade. However, the groom was called by the head waiter for suddenly presenting them with excellent wine at that moment in the celebration. This was a transformational miracle that demonstrated the change in people's lives that occur when people believe in Jesus and obey his word. By the way, you can do a private study on the Galilean wedding and see that it represents the rapture. When we believe in Jesus and obey his word, we will change also into a glorified body for all eternity. By the way, the groom at the Galilean wedding was called out at midnight and Galilean time, which is about 7 a.m. Eastern Pacific time, or when the S-O-N comes up, the sun. That little side note is something to think about. This was the first of his miracle signs, as John refers to them. While Jesus was not yet ready to manifest his identity to the crowd, they had no idea where the wine came from. He performed this sign to reveal his glory to the disciples so that their faith would be strengthened. I want to read you something out of the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 21. It's actually the last verse in the Bible. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The very last verse in the Bible focuses on Jesus Christ. Arriving at that at the final blessing that this magnificent book of Revelation and the Word of God have to offer us, filled with rumblings and divine wrath, comes to quite a quiet conclusion right here. John expresses his hope the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be given to the people of God. Jesus started his ministry when he was about 30 years old. Many people wonder the best time to start a ministry. 
Luke chapter 3, verse 23. Luke chapter 3, verse 23. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. Numbers chapter 4, verse 3. Numbers chapter 4, verse 3. From 30 years old and upward, even until 50 years old, all that enter into the host to do the work of the tabernacle of the congregation. This was about the age of Jesus was when he kicked off his ministry, but that does not imply that everybody has to wait. Anyone or everyone has something they can do for the Lord. Are you doing everything you can for the Lord? Ask yourself that question. The next lesson is going to be uh, more than likely will be part two of this same thing we've been talking about. But I want to ask you a question before I close. Are you 100% sure that you're going to heaven? Are you 100% sure that you're going to heaven? If you're 35%, 50%, 75%, or even 99% sure that you're going to heaven, I've got some sad news. You're not going to make it. Did you know that Jesus wants you to know that you have eternal life if you if you claim to be born again or saved? It says in First uh, John chapter five verse thirteen that you may know that you have eternal life. Jesus wants you to know that you have eternal life. But the very first thing we have to do is acknowledge that we're a sinner. We all fall short of the glory of God. All means means all. We have to recognize that we're a sinner and then we've got to do something. We have to repent of that sin. That means give it up. Look, you can repent a thousand times it will not do you one bit of good until you forsake that sin. That means give it up. Go another direction. And when you do that, God will do exactly what he said he would do. When you ask him to come in his heart, believing what happened on the cross, that he died for our sins and rose again three days later at the resurrection, if you believe that with all your heart, guess what? You're a citizen of heaven already. You just hadn't got there yet. And you can never, ever lose that salvation. A lot of people are really misunderstand scriptures. They take the scriptures and twist them and get them out of context. But you cannot lose your salvation. Once he seals you in, that's what the Bible says, you're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. God cannot unseal something that had been sealed. Once he seals it, it's sealed. And you'll one day receive a glorified body for all eternity. Hope you enjoyed this. Until part two again next time, we'll catch you down the road.